Today's episode's once again brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial by going to www.audibletrial.com slash epicfails. Epic with a K. I'm Eric Slater. I'm Chris Carroll. And this is Epic Fails of History. A podcast that delves into the most epic fails of, um, history. Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. The only thing we have to fear is fear Well, when the president does it, that means that it is not illegal. Epic fails. Don't wallow in failure. Instead, learn from it. Bill Gates. At the turn of the century, the digital age began as a new frontier of possibility. And like any other brave new era, there will always be those looking to exploit it for their own ends. From the wild west of the cyber realm emerged a new breed of cowboys and outlaws. Hackers. Over the years, these cyberpunks have been classified into two main categories. White hats and black hats. Those who use their powers for good, and those who don't. If you could time travel to any point in history, where would you go? Uh, off the top of my head, um... <laughs> Somewhere in the 80s, just because um, the way the, uh, you know, gaming, you know, the home consoles and the punk movement and... Oh, yeah. Just the 80s were cool. And also technology in the 80s were, you know, that's where we get uh, classics like war games. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, I yeah, I I would... uh, Somewhere in the 80s, uh, you know... Crank up your uh, Atari and NES and uh, go to the arcade and you know that sounds like a good time <laughs> and <laughs> play around with floppy disk and uh, uh, some DOS consoles and <laughs> <laughs> totally yeah that's so. a good answer I like that yeah I'm just gonna l- let you take the lead and then I'll I'll just chime in when uh, you cue me up <laughs> okay sounds good. Welcome back to Epic Fails of History. My name's Eric Slater, and I'm joined once again today by my good friend and fellow podcaster, Devin Clark. Hey, how's it going, man? I appreciate you having me. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, For those that don't know, uh, Devin is the host of a long-running podcast called Pretend Radio, uh, about ramen noodles, politics, video games, weird movies, punk rock, and other random stuff as it comes up. Uh, Glad to have you back on the show, Devin. Yeah, anytime. It's been too long, uh... Yeah, pretend radio is just kind of a hodgepodge of just, it's kind of just whatever happens. So (laughs) it's always good to talk to you, my friend. So we're recording this episode uh, over Zoom. We're both kind of figuring it out as we go. And we just got done recording an episode for that podcast. So uh, if you're also stuck in the middle of the Corona apocalypse like us, have nothing to do, uh, go check it out. (laughs) I uh, appreciate that. Well, uh Today's subject is something very interesting and something we can uh, go on for quite a while. I don't know if your audience is very familiar with uh, the subject we're going to be talking about, but in my opinion, it's definitely an epic fail of history in some sort of shape or way. I think it's really several epic fails of history, honestly, like on on numerous levels. (laughs) No, I, I, I totally agree. Uh, so we first had Devin back on episode six to talk about the great emu war of 1932. 
the corned beef sandwich incident, and the curse of the Willie D. Uh, it's still one of my favorite episodes so far. So what have you been up to last time since we got together? I know you recently moved to Tampa. I did. Um, I moved to Tampa to study computer programming. Um, I'm getting more into that. And, you know, I've, I've always been on kind of the, you know, the nerdy tech side, uh, you know, like downloading games and, uh, you know, booting up uh, ISO images and applying cracks. And, you know, I've always been kind of an indoors kind of kid for the most <laughs> part. Uh, but yeah, I've re- re- recently been getting into uh, programming, uh, starting out with C sharp and kind of messing around with um, C and C++, a little Python. And oh, nice. so that uh, natural uh, evolution of it, I kind of got into uh, hacking, not hacking myself per se, but just um, <laughs> how it happens and, you know, security breaches. And I thought it was fascinating just to see how <laughs> some of these insane stories, how they came about. Yeah, um, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. So, I, I mean, there, there's so many different uh, kinds of attacks and, you know, it, it, it's just kind of funny, you know, from, uh, I don't know, computers have only been around, I don't know what, 60 something years or something like that. My math is a little rough on it, but the way, <laughs> the, the way it's progressed, how rapidly it has, they have, it's basically exponential, right? Like <laughs> we went from like warehouse size calculators to, you know, smartphones that have more power than all of NASA back in the sixties. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, just, uh, the phone in your pocket right now is <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> insanely more powerful than what they used to land uh, a man on the moon so it's, it's just kind of crazy how fast a, this is all gone and uh the history behind totally. it is pretty fascinating and that being said there is many many epic fails along the way totally agreed before i forget so you know rune really appreciates those nerf guns you uh donated to him <laughs> yes I, i'm glad, uh, glad they went to a good home <laughs> yeah uh meg does not <laughs> <laughs> just slide pass that along <laughs> Well, it really depends on what side of the Nerf gun you're on. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> well, when I yeah, well, when I moved awesome down here, you. I was unpacking, and you know what I found in some of the boxes? Nerf darts. Not that I packed them myself, but they just ended up in there. <laughs> That's amazing. So, yeah, you know, I thought you'd be uh, the perfect person to have on this episode, uh, because today we're talking about hackers, digital heists, and, you know, other notorious cybersecurity breaches. Uh, other nefarious uh, activities that you can do <laughs> with a computer. We're in. It thinks I'm Falcon. Hello. Shall we play a game? Oh. <laughs> I think I missed him. Yeah. Weird, isn't it? Yeah. Love to. How about global thermonuclear war? Wouldn't you prefer a good game of chess? <laughs> Later, let's play Global Thermonuclear War. Fine. <laughs> All right. It's funny, when I was researching this, like a few years back, I wrote an article, um, you know, about like some of the most infamous, you know, cyber crimes or whatever. And it's funny just how many of them were like teenagers that just had access 
Oh, a lot of it is just bored teenagers that happen to have a computer, didn't have a whole lot going on, and they just they found one thing, and then they just went down that rabbit hole, and then next thing you know, yeah. <laughs> the, you know, the FBI or the CIA is kicking down their door, and it's just some <laughs> 15-year-old kid is like, I just wanted to see if I could do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's... It's crazy, man. Uh, it's kind of terrifying, really. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it's insane, and you have to be very cautious about what you you do online, especially nowadays. Um, you know, back in the you know, oh, definitely the seventies and eighties, it was you know, or even like nineties, early two thousands. Uh, the internet was kind of like the wild, wild west. <laughs> you know, yeah, you, you could really do anything that you, you wanted to. Right. And now it's more like, uh, you know, Big Brother's watching you constantly. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, people use, uh, you know, VPNs and stuff like that or, uh, or like, uh, the, uh, Tor, the onion router. So you can go on the, the dark web, but that, that's a, uh, a bit of a, a story on itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a whole different topic. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't want to, um, yeah, no worries. Detract, uh, too much from what we're at. I mean, like you mentioned, this is a this is a pretty broad topic. We can uh, we could probably do several episodes on this alone. Oh yeah, yeah. So, um, Maestro, uh, where should we start? Because well, there's a lot of ground to uh, cover. Well, so I I also have sort of an interest in this. I don't think I've done as deep a dive as you have because you're actually studying it. But I did take a programming class or two back in college. I, I thought it was really cool. It was really interesting. Just learning exactly like how computers work. You know, it's all it's all ones and zeros when you really get down to it. It's all digital. It's all algorithms or whatever, right? Yeah, when you get to like the like binary um, system <laughs> of it, and then we build on top of that. But yeah, it's basically just a on and off switch. So. You know, yeah. Depending on the sequence, uh, that's what your computer is going to do. And then from there, you know, we uh, use like IDEs, uh, integrated development environments to write code and compilers mm -hmm. and all this stuff. So uh, in, you know, our, our dumb human languages, we can tell the computer <laughs> what to do and it understands. Yeah, it's crazy, though, like how far they've come just... I mean, it's still binary, right? <laughs> uh, but there, you know, there's like these uh, primitive like AI, you know, now like uh, they're really making some quantum leaps right now. I, I know on the other podcast, we mentioned uh, quantum computing, like Google's looking into quantum computing, which doesn't even make sense to me. No, I, and uh, I am not an authority on <laughs> <laughs> quantum no, totally. computation by any means because that, that it's uh basically just one of the things was like poof, like my mind yeah. Just, yeah, can't handle it uh, thank god there are smarter people <laughs> than myself <laughs> to handle those uh yeah sort of issues but yeah yeah it's fascinating just uh the the pace and what we're able to do with not a, a whole lot uh, if you think about it, like I can mm -hmm. go into Visual Studio and I, with a simple lines of code, I can make a little program. It'll show up and I could ask you, um, uh, Eric Slater, what is the name of your podcast? And you can type that in and enter it. And then, you know, from there you can just keep going. And that's a very, yeah. very basic, like um, hello program. World. Yeah. Yeah. It basically stems <laughs> off hello world, you know, which was, I believe the first line of code ever written, you know, mm -hmm. that was executed yep. like that. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's just fascinating. And then, you know, of course there's always going to be the, you know, the 13 year old kid who 
<laughs> who figures figures all this out, you know, just tinkering around after school on a, a computer. And then from there, uh, it's off to the races. <laughs> exactly. So when it comes to hackers, when you're talking like the original, like the OG hackers, there was these guys called phone freaks. Oh, um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. And uh, one of the originals, uh, someone you might have heard of, uh, was John Draper, who went by the alias Captain Crunch. crunch It's the crunchy, munchy part of this balanced breakfast. me, <laughs> Yes, I, I'm familiar with him, and uh, I'm just going off the top of my head, but... Um, this is back in the day when payphones were still a thing. I don't know if your younger audience <laughs> has any idea what a payphone is. Um, oh, but man, that makes me feel so old. Yeah, payphones and the, uh, international long distance calling, all that crazy expensive. Even if you were like two hours away, if you're in a couple zip codes away, that mm-hmm. could be considered long distance back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, if I remember correctly, what this guy did is he, you would put the receiver up. Uh, he made some sort of device and he mimicked the tones that would bypass the computer to, to, uh, basically give it free long distance calling. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, so it was just a workaround, uh, of that. And he did, he did that for a long time. Um, I think eventually he got, uh, caught but i think so um so yeah yeah he one of the funny things he did was he used a uh plastic whistle from like a cereal <laughs> box and yeah. it, it just happened to emit the the frequency you need like the hertz tone or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh i know he, he just kind of stumbled upon it i don't know if he was really trying to do that or it was just one of those uh kind of bored kid <laughs> with a computer sort of thing it was just like I don't know. Let's, I mean, let's see if I can do it. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I'm definitely leaning towards like mad genius here because, you know, later on he ended up working with Steve Jobs and Wozniak, you know, on the Apple II. So dude had to have been smart. Oh yeah. I'm sure. (laughs) I mean, there's no uh, denying his uh, intelligence or anything, but I I wonder if like, you know, you set out for like a project or a problem you have and then you know, you kind of go through the steps. It's like, okay, this is what I want to accomplish. And then there are some things that you didn't even know was a problem. And then you kind of just stumble into it <laughs> sort of thing. Exactly. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, it's so weird to think that there was hackers back in the seventies, you know, like, Oh yeah. I, I mean, that's uh <laughs> since the birth of the computer, there has always been people to try to push it to the limits or uh, see if there's a back door to make it do something that it wasn't originally designed to do. And that's hacking, you know, in a nutshell to um, take an exploit um, that the the person who created didn't intend for that to happen, but it's possible to do that. Yeah, definitely. And the thing is, like, computers are dumb, right? <laughs> when, they, when you really get that down to it, they only do what we tell them to do. So, you <laughs> yeah. know, well, I, you have to kind of think of every eventuality, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I, w- I was watching a, some program tutorial, and the the author of the video was, uh, especially, uh, this was about, like, user input, and he was like, just keep in mind, the user is most likely 
likely an idiot and they're going to use your program in a way that you never thought of. They don't mean to, but they will break it. <laughs> so just keep that in yeah. mind. <laughs> yeah. User interface design. That's, that's just fascinating. I really enjoyed, I, I took a class on that, you know, back in college and I really enjoyed all that. Cause it's, it makes you really think outside the box. Cause you're like, okay, how could someone break this? You know, like, let me try, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, like, you know, if you write, a simple program that's just like Eric Slater. What is the name of your podcast? Actually, a better example mm-hmm. would be like Eric Slater. Uh, do you like um, puppies? And so it's a yes oh, or no. That's a good example. Yeah. So you, it's a yes or no question. But if you don't put the parameters correctly, then uh, if as long as you're asking for input, mm-hmm. then the user can <laughs> just put anything. Just like. Yep. Uh, do you like puppies? I was like, screw you. I hate puppies. Uh, yeah. like, it, but you meant for a yes or no question, <laughs> you know, a exactly. yes or no uh, answer. So yeah, you have to be very careful about <laughs> stuff like that because you have to be very specific sometimes. And that's like, I think why like a lot of multiple choice stuff, uh, you know, like online, like when, when they have forms and stuff, they have, you know, basically multiple choices instead of letting you insert whatever you know it's like do you like puppies ice cream it's like what <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah because um yeah if you let the user just do whatever they want then uh, yeah uh, the, you know there's a lot of people that you know you're asking a sincere question and i was like yeah i like puppies yes and it was like no nah, uh, what about uh pickles and peanut butter and then you know and then it just throws all the data off because you let them just enter whatever you want <laughs> exactly <laughs> There's a new virus in the database. What's happening? It's replicating, eating up memory. Uh, what do I do? Type cookie, you idiot. I'll head him off at the pass. A rabbit is in the administration system. Send a flu shot. Rabbit, flu shot, someone talk to me. A rabbit uh, replicates till it overloads a file, then it spreads like cancer. Cancer? Man, there's too many garbage files. I need more time. So speaking of like some of the original hackers, mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier, I think it was called the Creeper virus. Ah, the, yes, yes. Uh, I believe that um, was in 1971. And Creeper was an ex- experimental computer program written by uh, Bob Thomas at uh, BBN in 1971, which uh, it was uh, an American research and development company um, mm-hmm. based out of uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts. And the the funny thing about this is it wasn't meant to be um, a malicious software, so it didn't cause any uh, damage to any data on the computers. Um, oh, okay. But the thing that's very interesting about this is that it was self-replicating. Oh, no. So, <laughs> so uh, any machine running on a, the 10X operating system, it would just move from machine to machine. And the only real thing it did was it outputted uh, to the, the teletype um, and it would read, I'm the creeper, catch me if you can. <laughs> but from there, you can kind of see where this is going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, especially if you have a, a piece of um, software that can go from machine to machine and <laughs> you know create more and more copies of itself. And that well, could it's be like an actual virus in y- a way. You know? Yeah, yeah. This is um, acts like it. 
Yeah, this was just, uh, you know, just seeing how this would work, um, you know, cause, uh, I believe later they were using, um, um, ARPANET, which was, uh, an early version of the right. internet. So mm-hmm. they were basically just trying to figure out how the software is going to communicate with other machines and like, what if we do factor X and then factor Y and, so that's kind of what they were looking at, but that uh, <laughs> that technology, oh, things go off the rails pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, something kind of related to this is uh, something called the Morris Worm. This happened in 1988. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Robert Morris, he was a graduate student at Cornell University, um, and he developed the source code for a program intended to bypass passwords. <laughs> And he, what he was trying to do was to gauge the size and scope of the internet at the time. I think it was, uh, DARPA or ARPANET. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but he accidentally created like one of the most or one of the first malicious computer viruses. The program had a tiny glitch and it caused itself to constantly replicate to the point of crashing entire systems, uh, with a denial of, uh, service error. So. <laughs> DARPA reacted to the threat by essentially shutting down the entire internet at the time and established uh, the Computer Emergency Response Team, or CERT, uh, to counteract future security threats. Uh, <laughs> yes, it, it, this is a, a pretty pretty interesting one, and especially when um you know you're talking about um, DOS attacks. Yeah. So that was caused by one computer. Right. And, so now a uh, direct denial of service attack is when you link multiple computers up and they're all doing the same thing to one target. And so, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that, that gets pretty crazy. But even uh, especially back then, uh, mm-hmm. now, luckily, um, uh, you know, the, the Internet, the infrastructure behind, uh, you know, say like a, a Facebook or a Google, it, it, it's set up to take almost an infinite amount of traffic. Oh, totally. But, you know, yeah. if it's just like uh, DevonClark.com and <laughs> you could just set up one computer and just have it keep going, requesting to load my page over and over again until it just can't handle it anymore. You know, it's basically like, you know, kind of like a crack in the dam. Eventually, the flood mm-hmm. wall is going to come out and it, it's, it's going to go down <laughs> <laughs> totally yeah so that's essentially how um dos and like ddos attacks work you know it's a pretty common attack uh, especially uh you know if you get a group of people and you know you have your ip just pinging around the world and you're just you know just basically it's like if you had like f5 just every two seconds just hit f5 refresh Refresh, refresh. Oh, man. And, and so if you have multiple computers doing that, you know, every fraction of a second, yeah, you, your website doesn't have a chance. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I, I mean, unless you're, you know, you know, Google or IBM or, or something like that. But, you know, just your, your average person or, I mean, even. I would assume they have redundancies, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, people have ta- taken down like Bank of America and. Uh, you know, like, like huge corporations using DDoS attacks. Definitely. I know this was a big thing in like the early 2000s, especially, right? <laughs> There's a couple huge incidents. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, you could really, uh, 
cause some some damage, especially if in the company that you're targeting or whoever, if like they're Amazon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if their livelihood is the if their website is down, then they're not making any money. Well, Amazon might not be a good example because, uh, yeah, what's his name? Uh, Bezos. <laughs> Bezos. Yeah, he's not he's not exactly hurting for money. I mean, the dude. He's a billionaire uh, and he didn't pay any taxes last year, as far as I know. Yeah, well, uh, (laughs) though I am a hypocrite when it comes to Amazon because that it frustrates me, but (laughs) I do use Amazon. Um, I use Amazon constantly. I still, I I, I still about Bezos, but you know, he has a lot of my money. So, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a (laughs) fantastic (laughs) um, process, but I I guess the the point being was uh, a company like Amazon. If they're offline, they're mm-hmm. they're not making any money. So, yeah, so if you can do a DDoS attack and prevent them from uh, being online for even a few hours, you're like you're really putting a dent into uh, you know their profit line and you know just the way they operate and you know the whole time they're trying to figure out how do we get back up and <laughs> you yeah. know so it really just causes a, a complete headache. Uh, for anyone on you know the receiving end of these kind of attacks, definitely. Uh, oh, so back to the Morris. Uh, what was it? <laughs> Sorry, back to the Morris worm real quick. Uh, so it's estimated that it affected six thousand systems and caused up to ten thousand dollars or more in repairs. Which uh, was this nineteen eighty eight? Yeah, that's nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, that's yeah. a. A lot of money. That's a lot of computers. And Morris himself was actually the first to be tried and convicted of violating the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act, which I think they might have had to write just for him. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> in 1986. Um, oh, okay. And also the floppy disk that contains the Morse code is in the Computer uh, History Museum. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, so it's uh, still out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, we've come a long way since floppy. Oh yeah, I mean, I, re- I remember being a kid. Uh, from, surprisingly, we actually had like a computer class. And, yeah, uh, yeah, I remember using floppies and using I don't know some version of like MS Paint or <laughs> 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 yeah, just doing little things. But yeah, I remember it took. I remember, I forgot what it was, but like some programs, it took like multiple floppy disks, you know, because like they had no memory compared to what we have now. Oh, well, uh, early uh, computer games back in like the PlayStation 1 day where you'd have an oh, RPG yeah. and it would be four disks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like Final Fantasy 7 or uh, what was it? Chrono Trigger, I think. Chrono Cross. Chrono Trigger, I believe, yeah. was for the Super Nintendo, but you could have 20 plus floppy disks, you know, all labeled like <laughs> one the next one. <laughs> Good times. Windows 95, man. Oh, 95. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I grew up on. Yeah, yeah. I used to play like Duke Nukem 3D. I would probably like Doom. Yeah, Doom. Yeah, Doom 2, <laughs> I think. Uh, Descent. I don't know if you ever played that. That was kind of cool. I know. It was cool back then. I don't know if it holds up. No, I, I, I haven't, but I, I recently started playing Mist again. The original oh. Mist for uh, 95 and... Yeah, that's that era. Yep. Yep. It, it, it's still just as confusing as it was when I was a kid. <laughs> oh, I imagine. <laughs> and it's like, all right, you lift this uh, lever over here, then, you know, maybe like uh, 
three months from now, you'll figure out what that lever did. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yeah. See, now you could just like kind of look it up. Like if you get stuck, you just like there's tutorials and stuff out there. There's probably YouTube videos. Kid, kids today these. with their uh, their gaming tutorials are are so spoiled compared to when you and I were. <laughs> yeah, back in our day. Yeah, no, we we had it hard, man. We had to figure that shit out. <laughs> <laughs> we had Nintendo Power. <laughs> Uh, so I've always been kind of confused on the difference between worms, Trojans, and viruses. Can you shed some light on that? Yeah. You know, every, everyone, you know, it's kind of like your mom calling everything Nintendo. It's kind of um, how we use the term virus. You know, it's basically one of the many versions of malware, a virus. It'll attach malicious code to clean code. And then from there, mm-hmm. it's waiting for unsuspected users or some sort of automated uh, process to execute them. Think of it, you know, like getting a cold. So the, the virus will attach itself to the good germs in your body. And then when it has a method to infect another person, whether that's a sneeze, a cough, or you know, just not being clean. <laughs> it infects your system. And then especially if, if it's like a executable or something like that, once you open it up, then, Oh, it, it, it's on. Now it's, <laughs> now it's going <laughs> to run its course. Now that code is going to run. And you know, that, that can be all, all kinds of things. Ready? Yep. Let's go. usually come from executable files so once you open that up you think you're installing i don't know age empires 2 that you got off from some torrent site but actually <laughs> that game's awesome by the way. yeah it is uh, no disrespect <laughs> to age empires but yeah so it's basically going to piggyback in the code already so it's going to look like age of empires mm-hmm. but <laughs> once you install it and start running that file then whatever the person who wrote that code uh, whatever they intend on doing, that's when it's going to happen. And you might not even know it's happening. It could, it could look like it's, you know, business as usual, but on the back end of things, you know, under the hood, so to speak, oh, it, it could be a nightmare. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And just like, like dealing with a lot of that seems complicated too. Untangling whatever malicious code mess things up in the first place right like uh i mean that's assuming you can even catch it because uh with a a lot of these programs Mm -hmm. even if you have uh you know some sort of antivirus it's it's not a fail safe it doesn't hurt to have a certified you know real (laughs) antivirus but you know if you just start googling like uh anti-malware antivirus and just start downloading anything a lot of people They'll actually mm-hmm. write viruses to look like antivirus programs. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. That's scary. Yeah, so uh, basically the lesson of this story is if you're not 100% sure what you're downloading and where it's coming from, uh, definitely don't download it, but even more, do not install it. Do not open it. Yeah. We have the, the world of worms. Uh, this is... 
they're all malicious code, malicious programs. Basically, worms are notorious for infecting systems. Kind of like uh, when we were talking about Creeper. It will spread from multiple machines. So if they're on the same network, if the computers are talking to each other and there is a, you know, a worm in one of your systems, there's a good chance that it can basically bounce from one system to the other because it's, it's meant to spread itself as far as possible. Oh, geez. Yeah. And so those are scary, obviously, because for a business, if you have, I don't know, a thousand computers all linked to the same server. Like one server, yeah. Yeah, then, you know, it's just kind of a domino effect. It just goes from one to the other to the other. That sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, and it really depends on what the worm was designed to do. I mean, some of them can just be as annoying as Wayne Knight from uh, Jurassic Park. Uh, uh, uh. (laughs) (laughs) And and then, you know, some can just completely wipe hard drives and... You know, they, they can do some really nasty things. So, and sometimes it's hard because uh, a lot mm-hmm. of hackers will make fake sites that look almost identical to, say, like Bank of America. But if you look at the URL, right. it's, uh, instead of BOFA, it's BAFA, but it, yep. lo- it, but it looks almost identical. Yeah, they're really tricky about that kind of stuff. I almost got, um, tricked by a Bank of America email. I mean, it wasn't, from bank of america but it looked just like them oh yeah yeah uh, they, and they have a link and everything you click on that and it looks like you're going to the actual site so. <laughs> yeah that, that's um, now that we're mentioning it that's actually um, what phishing with phishing it's basically i'm basically gonna send out like just auto spam i don't know thousands and thousands of emails i'm sure if you ever use twitter or facebook messenger you've mm-hmm. you've seen a weird message with like a link or like a lot of times it's some very attractive woman with like a link to like a cam or some <laughs> some sort of thing that's a very yeah. obvious one but a lot of times mm-hmm. you know uh, especially if people get your uh, account information They'll use your Facebook Messenger to spread this link out. And, you know, if you're not paying attention, it's like, oh, Eric sent me a link. Like, he never sends me anything bad. I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. And then you click on it, and then that's where some sort of attack infects your, your um, system. Totally. Yeah. So and you- I know it can, uh, like, a lot of people, a lot of, I guess, hackers or you know russian bots or whatever will make fake accounts to kind of lure you in sometimes they'll actually copy someone you know oh uh, oh yeah then there's also um botnets which Mm -hmm. is just basically um a whole system of you know fake accounts and you know they're all just programs that they you know they're basically just going to scam you because it's they're basically playing you know uh, a game of numbers so if we bombard I don't know, uh, 1 million machines, we're going to get some clicks somewhere. And then from there, depending on what their intent is, uh, you know, say out of a million machines, they get a hundred thousand infected mm-hmm. and now they have control of that machine, you know, with uh, like key loggers and, you know, all, all, all kinds of nasty stuff. So. Well, and I know, um, speaking of bots, Russia, they've actually used bots to spread misinformation. And that's become like a real common thing today. You know, with the 2016 election and all that, there was a lot of that circling around, a lot of fake accounts. And, you know, a lot of the big social media uh, outlets, they have, they have started to 
crack down on that, but not maybe not as much as they should because there's still a lot of it out there. Now, uh, okay, this is this is a great point, and I've I've tried tried to explain it because um yeah it's mm-hmm. it's really hard you know especially if you have someone like Russia, which at this point they're basically uh like a a nation state uh actor in in you know this sort of hacking and propaganda and and stuff like that but it's really hard for say like uh for facebook to make an algorithm to weed all of that out that's almost an impossible task at least from my understanding of it so how how exactly do you make an algorithm that will detect these bots and then also flag them for whatever the parameters are and russia knows this so they also have a team who's constantly you know changing it and you know doing different styles of how they go about doing it so it's a very difficult task for facebook i think Mm -hmm. they're they're doing what they can, you know. Well, uh, you can't infringe on people's, um, yeah, freedom of speech. <laughs> freedom of speech, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You know, people will say like, "Well, Facebook only blocks uh, conservative points of view," and I was like, "Well, that's not really true." They're trying to work on these algorithms because, I mean, how many mm-hmm. users does Facebook have? Like over a billion. A lot. Yeah. So how do you make an algorithm or, you know, like a set of parameters in your code to monitor all that? I mean, I'm sure they have actual people, you know, looking at some of it, but just the sheer amount of uh, traffic. Like, how do you how do you do that? Because, you know, I could go on your Facebook page and I could just start flagging every single post you made. Those flags have to go somewhere. Hear ye, hear ye. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day free trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Since we've been covering the Bond movies over on Podcasters Assemble, I've been downloading the Ian Fleming James Bond novels. Each one is actually done by a different British actor. You've got Jason Isaacs on Thunderball, Kenneth Branagh does The Man with the Golden Gun, Bill Nye reads Moonraker, David Tennant covers on Her Majesty's Secret Service, and they even got Tom Hiddleston to read Octopussy in the Living Daylights. Definitely check them out. I can't recommend them enough. Now, as an adult with uh, two teenagers in the household, I should point out that I don't get to read as often as I would like, and that's where Audible comes in. Thanks to Audible, I've been able to read more books than ever before, even if it's usually while doing chores, walking the dogs mowing the lawn, doing the dishes, catching up on laundry, cleaning up cat throw up, breaking up a fight over the Nintendo Switch, trying to stave off an impending existential crisis. Anywho, to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash epicfails with a K. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash E-P-I-K fails for your free audiobook. Oh, and before I forget, all four Epic Fails books are now available on Audible, including Not-So-Great Presidents, by myself, Eric Slater, and Ben Thompson. Huzzah! Do you like K-pop? Anime. Astrology? General shenanigans? Hi, I'm Chelsea. And I'm Haley. Host of the Uwu Podcast. Chelsea, what's Uwu? Uwu is the feeling you get of too much cuteness, or an overwhelming feeling of happiness. 
New episodes every Wednesday. Catch us almost everywhere podcasts are available. Podcasts so cute, it'll make you go, ooh-woo! I'm Troy. And I'm MC. And we host the best animated shows ever, so far. Where we watch, discuss, and rank every animated show ever. Eventually. Listen in by searching for the best animated shows ever so far on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts, or head to probablywork.com. Join the conversation by finding us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram by searching Base SF Cast. That's B A S E S F C A S T. And don't change the channel. Basically, ransomware is some sort of malicious software that gets on your, you know, your system. Basically, it will lock your system down or at least parts of your computer that you can't access unless you pay a quote ransom. Thus the term ransomware. They'll go after, you know, kind of high profile people just to make them think that, you know, we have this on you if you don't want us to, you know, do X, Y, and Z, then you need to send 20 Bitcoins to some address online that's probably getting bounced around from, you know, a hundred servers. They basically hold your, uh, your files ransom and then they want money for said files for you to get Man, it back. That's nuts. Yeah. The, the people who make which sort of, you know, worm virus, you know, ransomware or whatever, like on the scale to like one to 10, like how much of pieces of garbage they are. <laughs> oh, and then, you know, then we have spyware, which is basically once again, uh, software that gets installed, but now we can, uh, use fun programs like key loggers, which basically just like copies what you're typing, right? If you have a, a key logger installed, then yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, so yeah, spyware—it's it's pretty self-explanatory. It's basically just watching everything you do. Just you know, you can get your uh, your passwords and credit card numbers or whatever you're punching in, or you know, you can even uh, see like what you're doing on your computer screen, um, what websites you go to, you know, mm. stuff stuff like that. So it's it's pretty scary. Definitely, um, just the implications of that, you know. Oh yeah, and the scary thing is. When you think about everything runs on computers today, so <laughs> yeah, if there's vulnerabilities in some of these systems, like that could be a real issue, especially when it comes to, you know, nuclear power plants or oh, oh yeah, yeah, electric um, grids, you know. <laughs> and that's a, a, a great story now that you mentioned uh, nuclear power plants, which is um, a fun little program uh, called Stuxnet. Oh, I've heard of this one. Yeah. Yeah. So what that basically did there are theories that the united states and israel had something to do with this but uh it basically took the centrifuges in iran you know because iran you know their nuclear capabilities that's been a thing for a long time mm -hmm. so basically what this program did it got into their their systems and you know how a, a centrifuge it spins at a certain rate for you know whatever you're trying to do i don't know the exact speed it needs to be to uh, enrich uranium but what it, what the program would do is it would slow the centrifuge and then it would rapidly speed it up to the point where it it broke over a thousand uh centrifuges oh my god yeah so on on the computers it, it looked like everything was fine you know the, the people monitoring from their their stations it looked like everything was a-okay 
But it was just going really slow, and then it would go really, really fast. And you just do this process until it would literally physically break them. And mm. apparently, uh, centrifuges aren't that cheap. I wouldn't imagine they would be. And because <laughs> of sanctions, um, and forgive me if I'm getting this detail wrong, uh, uh-huh. but because of sanctions, so you know they're getting it from Russia, North Korea, you know, kind of you know doing like backdoor deals to try to set all this up but yeah it it, it was basically um uh a worm that just infected their entire system for their centrifuges it was just basically a monkey wrench to the entire nuclear program yeah i I mean i don't know how how much money it actually costs iran but uh yeah it's suspected that the u.s and israel had something to do with Uh, that i'm almost positive that's the case (laughs) yeah because uh i believe at the time iran was just like you know we're gonna nuke israel off the face of the planet kind (laughs) of uh kind of stuff so uh the israelis are a big cutthroat when it comes to this sort of thing so i wouldn't be around yeah i I wouldn't be uh surprised if they did that also well what i thought was really interesting about that one was that it all started with an infected flash drive (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that's all it took yeah it's it's just uh, one flash drive and then if the computers are linked then it's 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 game over game over man (laughs) game over man game over man <laughs> but yeah if all your you know how many computers are on your network basically like patient zero when yeah. it comes to that you know if i get you know the coronavirus and then you, you and i uh share a, a delicious pasta dinner lady in the tramp style and then you <laughs> and then you do the same with meg and then it you know it keeps going on and on and on then <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah wash your hands people <laughs> yeah please this one uh, is called Shamoon. Oh, I've heard of this. Yes. Uh, yeah, this one. I haven't looked into this one too much, but it was in Saudi Arabia, right? It was. It's actually a company called uh, Aramco. Mm, okay. Um, which is a pretty much the world's biggest uh, oil producing company in the world. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, so basically, Shamoon is a virus also known as W32.distrack is a modular computer virus that was discovered in 2012 targeting the the then recent 32-bit uh, NT kernel version of Microsoft Windows. Now, what this virus did is it was also self-replicating. So mm-hmm. it went from computer to computer to computer and what he was doing on these computers he uh, compiled a list of files specific locations on the system upload them to the attacker and erase them (laughs) finally the virus overwrites the master boot record of the (laughs) infected computer making it absolutely unusable oh jesus (laughs) so that sounds like it could be bad and um, untraceable like virtually untraceable, right? Uh, it took a very, very long time. <laughs> mm. yeah. So, uh, basically, Shamoon was designed to erase and overwrite hard drive data with cor- <laughs> a corrupted image and report the addresses of infected computers back on the computers inside of the company network. The malware had a logic bomb, which triggered the master boot and data wiping payload. Mm, so okay. the attack occurred during the month of Ramadan. So basically no one was in the, the, the office 
because you know everyone was on holiday. Yeah, and oh, uh, man, that's kind of messed up. Well, I mean, if you're going to make an attack, I mean, if no one's going to be in the office. Well, it's like there's been attacks on the U.S. during like Thanksgiving and Christmas, right? Like, exactly. Like, yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. It's just like okay, mm-hmm. we know pretty much no one's going to be there. I mean, unless people who are actually you know on the oil rigs and you know the refineries, <laughs> but. Yeah, as far as, like, logistically speaking, yeah, there's no one in the office, so wiped out <laughs> over 30,000 Windows-based uh, systems. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's nuts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Saudi Aramco. It's hard to even imagine. Yeah, Saudi Aramco uh, announced the attack on their Facebook page and went offline until the company statement was issued. Oh, and uh apparently that didn't cause any problems i imagine well uh i mean just imagine you're a dairy farmer and <laughs> so your surplus of milk mm-hmm. is still in production you know nothing happened to the cow <laughs> so yeah so now you just have all, all this milk but you don't have the logistics to know where to send it <laughs> 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 that's kind of what happened with uh oh, you know geez. crude oil and uh, you know, uh, petroleum and, and all that. So, okay. I know Eric wants some milk, but I don't know how much and when he wanted it <laughs> and where he lives. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all, all the logistics of that just went out, <laughs> just went out the window and. It's it's like it's like calling up a pizza place and just saying I want a pizza. It's like we need a little bit more information. Than that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just like I don't <laughs> it's like have I got it. money. Yeah, give me but, my pizza. But it's like and I don't like, have any of that information. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like I don't have your GPS. I don't have your location. <laughs> yeah, so I, I I can't remember if they found out who exactly caused it or why mm-hmm. i believe if i remember correctly and i'm sure there are people who are probably gonna crucify me i i believe they left a picture of an american flag burning i think it might have had something to do with uh like a political statement with you mm-hmm. know uh, saudi arabia and america uh, oh i gotcha uh, working together and being allies and you know all that all that sort of thing but yeah, this uh, Shamoon was a real nasty one. And actually, like uh, because of this, because it destroyed so many uh, hard drives, that there was actually a hard drive shortage because oh, wow. they oh, needed God. over 30,000 hard drives to get everything back up and running. Dang. <laughs> that is so crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's, that's probably one of the crazier ones. You know, because you don't really, you know, you think of food shortages, water, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. But you don't think of a hard drive <laughs> shortage. Yeah. You know, you just go to newegg.com and, <laughs> and, you know, get a, a new hard drive. So the fact that yeah. so many <laughs> hard drives were destroyed that they <laughs> they bought so many that it caused a shortage <laughs> so there's been a lot of like really big stories in the news dealing with you know corporate espionage and you got like the equifax hack a couple years ago that we only recently found out about like this happened back in 2017 i want to say yeah and uh <laughs> the funny thing about that is it was it was going on for quite a while yeah exactly and but you and i didn't know anything about it for quite a while so uh basically real quick equifax equifax however you want to pronounce it uh is one of the three largest consumer credit reporting agencies along with experience and transunion 
also known as the Big Three. They collect and they aggregate information from over 80 million individual consumers and more than 88 million businesses worldwide. So that's... uh, that's a lot of information going on there. But uh, Equifax sells credit monitoring and fraud prevention services directly to consumers. So, <laughs> Somewhat ironic. <laughs> yeah. So um, apparently in 2016, apparently they had warning of a insecure system. Security researcher examining um, Equifax servers observed an online portal. So I don't know if any of you have ever downloaded a torrent. Guilty as charged. Torrents can be totally illegal, so. (laughs) Um, Scratch that from the record. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, basically, you know, if you're configuring your, uh, you know, torrent, you know, download client, it'll ask you what port you want to use to. So the machines can communicate with each other with equifax there was <laughs> just a an open port <laughs> just wide open and oh, someone man. found it yeah <laughs> yeah now I, they have everyone's information oh uh, yeah they That's they cool. said they could have downloaded the data of all equifax customers in 10 minutes i've seen a lot <laughs> oh, of bad things but this is bad and that's a quote yeah. <laughs> definitely <laughs> So, yeah, there's been a number of big ones in the news. You got, you know, obviously the Equifax hack, the DNC hack back in 2016 during the election. You got the the Sony hack uh, back in 2014, which is a huge scandal. And then the Target credit breach uh, back in 2013. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I remember that. Was that uh, through, like, Target cards? Yeah. Um, what's funny about this one is that I was actually working at Target at the time. I was at guest services when the breach happened. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was just getting flooded by just angry, angry uh, soccer moms and grumpy old people that thought I was the one that hacked them personally. It was uh, it was very frustrating on all ends. <laughs> So what was, uh, like, how did, uh, corporate handle that? Or at least like, not very well, you know, cause at least it, initially, <laughs> well, cause you know, you were working at target at the time, even though mm-hmm. no one at the store had anything to do <laughs> with that sort of thing. But I, how, how did like, like upper, upper, upper management like handle that? And how did that trickle down? <laughs> <laughs> to you guys They're like you know because there had to been a conversation that was like hey if this yeah. comes up uh yeah don't say this <laughs> basically yeah i if i remember correctly because i've dealt with a few different companies you know in retail and stuff but basically they gave us like certain talking points and basically had us refer them to the website or something <laughs> deflect deflect that's basically what it was because you know like they couldn't have us talking for them but yeah it went undetected for a number of days and the information of i think it was 70 million customers was compromised god yeah that's a that's, epic fail <laughs> yeah i mean i mean i mean all all these uh have been epic fails and i think the the main thing is one know that no matter how safe and, you know, however you think your information is like Fort Knox, there's always a way, whether it's through the attic, uh, someone forgets to close a window or, you know, mm-hmm. going through the, the sewer pipes like the Ninja Turtles. Um, <laughs> there's always a way. There's always an exploit. 
And you definitely have to be aware about that. I mean, I don't want people to be paranoid, you know, because mm-hmm. for the most part, what am I going to do with your information? That's like not <laughs> a whole lot. Basically, uh, you know, especially when it comes to say like the target breach or, um, you know, uh, uh, Equifax and stuff like that, it's mostly just let's gather as much information as we can and then see what we can do with it. Yeah, definitely. Well, in the Target one specifically, they narrowed that down to like a 17-year-old kid from Russia. <laughs> and we come back to Russia. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, uh, Russians, uh, you know, Chinese, uh, <laughs> definitely, uh, you know, like Indians is like, they are so good at hacking. It's insane. <laughs> well, and part of that is because like the government's actually sponsored programs to do that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like yeah. this it- new way of like cyber warfare between countries I, you don't I, really hear about it a whole <laughs> lot but it's happening constantly oh yeah it, it's basically you know like you see like a facebook ad for like uh uh have fun at a week-long uh boot camp for coding i was like oh no the government's gonna it's gonna finance this <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it's it's, it's definitely uh, it's just pretty crazy i just there's actually like there's what they call white uh, oh uh yeah yeah totally which are basically hackers that will look for insecurities in a company system or a government system and they're kind of doing it for good like you know they they're paid in order to find these vulnerabilities and fix them or defend against them oh yeah i'm, I'm glad you actually brought that up because um there's a, a whole industry for uh, white hat hackers, and it's pretty interesting because there are a couple ways of going about that. Let's say, Eric, you are running a company, you know, you have uh, some servers and uh, information on said servers and, you know, your network, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. You could come to me and hire me as a penetration tester. And there are a few ways of doing this. One, I could just see just from my computer right now, as we're talking, Mm -hmm. I could see if I could find some vulnerability and remotely get access to it. And the more interesting uh, way to do this is actually go into the office. And this has a lot to do with social engineering. So <laughs> making uh, your employees think that I'm supposed to be here is like, oh, I'm um Devin. I'm a you know a contractor. It's Ted from the IT department. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you just Gladys in accounting. She's been there for 25 years. Is like, uh, hey, uh, Gladys. Um, yeah, we're we're gonna have to reboot the system. So. You know, and you start throwing out jargon. She's going to be like, so I'm going to need your password and, uh, yeah. you know, your, um, you know, access code or, you know, whatever their security is. And then, uh, well, people like, don't even think twice about it. Yeah. You know, it's just like, well, it's Ted from IT, you know, and, you know, <laughs> you know it's like, yeah, we're, uh, operating on the, the mainframe, uh, server. Yeah. You, know, you, you start throwing out, you know, just, kind of like techie jargon and for the most part people aren't going to think twice about it and then so you know you could use a usb uh like a rubber ducky or something and then just you know, pop that in there and then start running some malicious code and then next thing you know uh, you can have remote access and see how far you can go and you know people will give you access to a lot more than you think they would yeah you know especially yeah if they think that you're on the same team you know, mm-hmm. they will. It was like, yeah, you know, I'm the IT guy. You know, we'll do, uh, this and that, but I'm going to need this information. I was like, okay, well, yeah, 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 that's fine. You know, we're good. You know, he's with the company. Yeah. But the, the whole purpose of, 
of that is for them to write a report and be like, yeah, it was like, I didn't even have to badge in to get on the floor. Like, oh man. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they give like, you know, the, the higher ups, here's what you need to do. Or like, uh, you know, you, you don't have like a three step, uh, verification for like logins to crucial servers and you know stuff like that that's where those uh security questions come in <laughs> <laughs> yeah those, yeah those are always fun those really annoying security questions there's a reason for them <laughs> yeah but it, have you ever filled out some where and then like later you haven't used it in god knows how long and so it'll prompt you again and it's just like the most yeah. random question <laughs> so like, like what gas station in Missouri did you saw? It was like, I don't think I filled that one out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or like, what if you misspelled something? Uh, yeah, those, those are always fun. I've reset my password so many times because of those things. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. The <laughs> but there's been some. It's just like, why would I even think about choosing that as? <laughs> You know, yeah. as like a, a, a prompt question. It's like the, my grandmother's maiden name. It's like, on which side? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so vague. There's like four of them. So one more I wanted to mention real quick. Have you ever heard of Carbonac? Carbonac. 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 Yeah. Let's, uh, let's get into this fun one real quick. So from what I understand, this was one of the largest digital heists of all time. And when all was said and done, it was over a billion from at least a hundred different banks in 30 different countries was reportedly stolen. So, so right now I'm, I'm looking at my notes and it's saying the hacker group was said to have stolen at least $900 million. So somewhere I, I'm sure it's not, you know, dollar for dollar, pound for pound, euro for euro. But we're in that ballpark, so that <laughs> that definitely says something. And okay, so the uh all right, uh Carbonac is a APT style campaigning target to a financial institution. Um APT is advanced persistent threat is a stealthy computer network threat actor, typically a nation state or a state sponsored group. They remain undetected for quite a while. So in this case, you know, they were uh going after banks and that was claimed to have been discovered in 2014 by the Russian UK uh cyber crime company Casper Sky Lab. Yeah, so um it basically it was a phishing attack and so they were able to manipulate access to the the banking systems through phishing pretending to be you know, someone that they're, they're not, or this is like, you know, hey, this is a blah, blah from accounting, or, you know, I'll, I'll send you a link, you click on it, and now I, now I have access. So doing this, uh, they were able to get access to all these bank systems, and their, uh, intended targets were primarily Russia, uh, United States, Germany, China, Ukraine. This is according to, uh, Casper, uh, Sky Lab. One bank loss. $7.3 million when its ATMs were programmed to spew out cash at certain times that henchmen oh would collect uh, while a separate firm had $10 million taken out via its online platform. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, the, these guys weren't playing around. 
This seriously sounds like a Bond movie villain. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just <laughs> ridiculous. Like the amount of coordination involved in it, too. Oh, yeah. And um, if I remember, uh, remember correctly. Uh, so it was kind of like a gang. You know, you have like your uh, people at the top and the people at the bottom. So you would have, you know, especially with the ATM, you know, just spewing cash out. So you would have the henchman at the bottom, you know, oh, just uh, yeah. go collect the cash while, you know, the people at the top are um, actually doing that. And of course that led to some of them. I believe they ended up in uh, Ukraine or were from Ukraine, but yeah, this uh, malware, uh, it definitely did its job. And uh, surprisingly <laughs> they, uh, they got away with it for a long time. I mean, a long time, relatively speaking, about, you know, this sort of crime. Yeah, definitely. You know, because, uh, you know, I, I try to uh, access my Gmail account on uh, someone else's Wi-Fi, and I I get an email about it. It was like, your account has been accessed on a different device. <laughs> you know, yeah, there's a, a, some pretty, pretty crafty people out there. And uh, it says, uh, on March 26, 2018, uh Europol claimed to have arrested the mastermind of the Carbonac and associate Cobalt or Cobalt Strike Group in Alicante, Spain, and mm. an investigation led by the Spanish National Police with cooperation of law enforcement in multiple countries as well as cybersecurity companies. The group's campaign appears to have continued, however, with the Hudson Bay Company breach okay. using point of sale malware recently by being attributed to the group. So apparently they're mm-hmm. still working in some sort of capacity. Man. So they haven't been caught. Uh, well, I guess they're still at large. Well, uh, I, I guess, uh, some people the have, syndicate. but the, it's kind of like, uh, the Morris, uh, floppy just is in the museum. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so basically, however, their methods are is still out there. Oh, yeah. So it's like not mm. necessarily even the same people. Yeah, yeah. It's just a, a of affiliates or because uh, that's it's kind of like the um, Xbox Underground. You know, it was a group of people and basically just a group of kids that uh, basically hack their way into. Uh, Activision, Microsoft, you know, the all, Pentagon. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's happened before. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about uh, this group, but uh, yeah, they um, they basically hacked in there. So it it just wasn't one or two people. There was a group of people doing mm. that. So if one went down, that doesn't mean that there still aren't you know ten other you know people. It's like <laughs> Spectre or Hydra. They cut off one head. More shall take its place. Hail Hydra. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, just because uh, if people get caught doesn't mean the means that they did it. <laughs> it's not like it's erased from history and no one has the knowledge to do it. It's just like, okay, so they did that. Well, what if I did that, but I tried this? <laughs> Totally. We got some uh, listener feedback on the subject uh, real quick. Bill from Discord says, uh, some guy once pushed a command via SCCM and wiped out an entire bank in Australia. It's often used as an example of what not to do in SCCM training. <laughs> SCCM, what does that stand for? If, I, if I'm correct, it's a System Center Configuration Manager. And what this does... Um, you know, for those who are on Windows, uh, mm-hmm. 
think of it hitting like control delete and you know you pull up your uh, task manager yeah so but what this can do is uh responsible for uh, <laughs> basically managing large groups of computers running Windows NT, well, Windows Embedded, oh, apparently also Mac OS, Linux, or Unix. Configuration Manager provides remote control, patch management, software distribution, operating system deployment, network access, protection, and hardware and software inventory. So hmm. now if you end a process, like say... You open uh, your task manager for Windows and say uh, Chrome is locking up or freezing, you know, and it, it mm-hmm. won't go away. Uh, you, you know, you can end task. So think of it like that. But now if you uh, if you do that and you uh, just start ending processes that you shouldn't, you can mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you, you can cause some some real problems. Okay. So in the, in this case, whatever this person implemented just wiped out <laughs> the system for uh for this bank. So it's also kind of like playing with like registry files. You have to be very careful about what you're doing cuz yeah, I would imagine. Uh, yeah, it's a uh, for the most part you you can always add but it's you can't take away. I so I know a friend I will leave him nameless, but he accidentally deleted one of the servers for his his work. Oh my god, the whole server? <laughs> one of them, yeah. How's that happen? He was trying to no, no. He was he was he was trying to back up a server, and oh. he accidentally uh, made a misstep. <laughs> Sounds like it. Jeez. In in that, so I mean, luckily they had previous backups, but. He had to like go downtown to like the warehouse where they actually have the servers and try to like manually back it up and. <laughs> oh man! So I think he got three out of the five <laughs> backup. You know when you click on something you see it installing, you're like, no, 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 shit! If you aren't paying attention to what you're doing, then. Mm. You can just make your life a living hell. Uh, well, we got a few from Facebook real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. Some listener feedback here. Adrian Poland says, you have to incorporate the terms crash override and acid burn. You know, crash and burn. <laughs> I think that's a reference to uh, something. Is, Is that it? from Hackers? Like the movie? Yeah, yeah, that's a reference to Hackers. Okay. <laughs> I see what you did there. I love how like completely inaccurate a lot of those early movies like show hacking. Actually, even a lot of current stuff, it's completely it, it makes no sense. You know, like NCIS, uh Enhance. <laughs> Enhance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and just like the the fast typing, the frantic typing with all the like the pop ups and all that, you know. Yeah, mostly any uh programming is maybe 10 to 20% actual typing and 90 to 80% just like, wow, what the fuck? What what is going on here? (laughs) (laughs) And then just like figuring it out. Yeah, yeah. It's just like troubleshooting. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But yeah, it's it's always funny in those hacking movies where it's just, uh, I I don't know if you guys can hear this, but just like the... (laughs) the, (laughs) Exactly. The the frantic typing is just like, yeah, that's not really... (laughs) <laughs> it's not doing anything. Yeah, how it works. <laughs> but yeah, there there are some some pretty pretty good ones out there, and 
Yeah, they, they always have like 8,000 screens and uh, they all look like the Matrix code is going on. Most computer screens aren't black with green text anymore. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Unless you're like using DOS, but that's like black and white. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, unless you're like doing like some like command line. <laughs> like yeah, and that, that wouldn't be really riveting to watch in a movie. <laughs> That would just be like a guy yeah. sitting at his computer for twelve hours. Like, well, I uh, definitely uh, i i had to Google that reference, but uh, it's been a long time since I've, I've watched uh, Hackers. But <laughs> yeah. well, well done, my friend. James Scon uh, says, "Do all hackers have individually assigned Digimon, or just most?" Well, I mean. Now that's really up to personal preference. I, I mean, some love Digimon. I, some love Pokemon. I'm more of a Tamagotchi kind of guy, personally. Let's see. We also got Jeffrey Doherty Jr. says, emphasize on how the space bar is optional. It was used once in war games. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He also says, four hands are better than two. And there's a GIF from NCIS, like I mentioned earlier, (laughs) where (laughs) these two people, like this guy jumps in to help out hacking somehow on the same keyboard like how how does that work yeah it's a it's, a, it's not a piano here <laughs> yeah exactly no way i'm getting hacked a porch game no no this is major they've already burned through the ncis public firewall well isolate the node and dump them on the other side of the router i'm trying it's moving too fast Oh, this is not good. We're using our connection to the Infus database. Sever it. I can't. It's a point attack. He or she is only going after my machine. It's not possible. This is DOD level 9 encryption. It would take months to get built. Hey, what is that, video game? No, Tony, we're getting hacked. Take it in Abby's computer. The entire NCIS network is next. I can't stop him. Do something, McGee. I've, I've never seen code like this. <laughs> okay well uh, i like that uh our listeners are asking the, the questions that really matter <laughs> exactly yeah well I, I will say the uh space bar comment was uh quite hilarious uh yeah that'd be a i, I mean i guess in, unless you just wanted to like tab your way throughout the whole thing <laughs> but, but that seems right. like a headache <laughs> yeah I think that's it for uh listener feedback and questions so what do you got going on oh um not too much just uh you know doing the the programming thing and uh well yeah the whole coronavirus we're trying to try to figure that out you know as far as a uh, school and you know whatnot but um yeah sure. I'm just, a lot uh, is up in the air right now because of that yeah yeah definitely so no, I'm just uh, hanging out here, and luckily, uh, the good thing about programming is you can, you know, I can do it from home, you know, at least studying. So definitely, um, yeah, not not too much. I, I was in the wastes, but I moved down here to Tampa. So um, our buddy uh, Sean Piper from Concrete Criminals is actually the bass player now. So uh, yeah, okay. it's uh, keep keep an eye out for them. Well, I know um, all three albums are on uh, Bandcamp, right? I, I I believe so, but you know, if you just YouTube the wastes, you know, you'll probably find quite a few things. And uh, I think there are some on Bandcamp, and you know, if you want to go on the you know Facebook page, the wastes mm-hmm. there, or you know, if you want to hit me up, I can. Uh, I probably still have some stickers and uh, a couple of vinyl splits with Concrete Criminals. I can send out. So hey, man, awesome. It's pretty uh pretty tame down here. You know, not a. Not a whole lot going on at the moment, and you know, just staying inside, uh, washing our hands. <laughs> yeah, 
party of one. <laughs> yeah. Just and hanging out with the dogs. <laughs> you can hear more of Devin and I on the newest episode of Pretend Radio. And then if you want to check out more on this subject, uh, you can check out my original article from a few years back on epicfails.com. That's epic with a K. And we'll have to have you back soon, Devin. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. It's always, uh, it's always a blast talking to you. And uh, especially uh, with a topic like this, we could probably do a whole series just on the hacks alone. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That might have to be uh, the next spinoff podcast we do. <laughs> I, I would thoroughly enjoy that, my friend. I guess uh, I, I just want people to just update your software. Just be safe and stop clicking on whatever weird links come your way. After the episode, Janine Hyatt reminded me of the plot of Superman 3, where Richard Pryor attempted to hack into the bank system and stole fractional cents, which also happens to be the same scheme from Office Space, which was executed less well. I gotta point out that while Superman 3 is not a good movie, I do love that subplot. Uh, huge thanks again to Devin Clark and everyone who wrote in for this episode. Before I go, I wanted to acknowledge the loss of a good friend of the show, Sean Morse who passed away earlier this year. Sean and I used to work at Starbucks together in Jack's Beach years ago. He was one of the kindest souls I've ever known. He was always a source of inspiration and encouragement. He was astronaut number two in Space Sharks. Uh, He was one of the original readers of my history blog. He was a gigantic nerd, and he was a good friend. We'll miss you. Last but not least, we've got a ton of fun topics and guests lined up for Season 3. Hopefully things will be a little bit more relatively normal uh, in 2021. And I'm hoping to hit the ground running next year, so fingers crossed. In the meantime, Happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year, and stay tuned for more epic fails of history. Thank you for listening to Epic Fails of History. You can find us on social media, that's Epic with a K. Check out our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for episode updates and random history memes. In the meantime, you can hear me on Too Young for This Trek, where we're currently reviewing Star Trek Discovery, and this season of Podcasters Assemble, where we're watching all 25 Bond movies in a countdown to the latest film in the franchise, No Time to Die. This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at ProbablyWork for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called ProbablyWork.com. Uh, also, please sanitize your uh, all your, uh, your mouses, <laughs> your mouses and, and keyboards and, and video game controllers. I can't tell you how many people have touched my video game controllers over the years. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah just, just be careful, people.